Today on Blue 58, it would be nice for the Packers to have some more help in their edge rusher group, but they also don't necessarily need to pick one early. That's a great position to be in heading into this year's NFL Draft. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, and I am very happy to be with you here for another episode. There is something going on with Aaron Rodgers, but also nothing is has happened as of when I'm recording this particular episode of Blue 58. It's 9 o'clock p.m. on Thursday, March 9th, as we get rolling here. Aaron Rodgers is still a member of the Green Bay Packers so far. Maybe something changes in the midst of this podcast and I have to start from scratch again. Maybe not. But for right now, we're going to talk about edge rushers. I think everybody's pretty up to speed on what's happening with Rodgers. It does seem like the Packers are about to go in a different direction with their quarterback room. When that happens, if it happens, we will try to bring you something as soon as we can. I do have some thoughts, but we'll wait until whatever is going to happen is official. And though it seems like something is going to be happening soon, in theory, this could still last months and months and months. Fun times. So we will see exactly how that sorts out over the next few days and hopefully at most weeks. In the meantime, we can start preparing for the 2023 NFL Draft. We were supposed to do this earlier this week, but I had to take an episode off, feeling a little bit under the weather earlier this week. We are back to basically normal now, so we are going to try to talk a little bit about the potential edge rushers that may be making their way to Green Bay. Right up top, I think I've said this now for years and years and years, but the NFL Draft is not my strong suit. I am not a film junkie, though I do enjoy trying to figure out what traits a guy possesses that could jump to the next level. I am not enough of an analytics guy to really pull out in-depth numbers on who is going to make a, a big jump into the NFL. But I do think it's worth sorting out each position, trying to figure out who is good and who isn't. So the best way that I know to do that is to go to create a framework and see who that framework points to as promising players in the NFL draft. And I always like to start with edge rushers because it feels like that is the easiest group to look at for a couple of reasons. First, the projectable traits for an edge rusher are pretty easy to identify. You need somebody who's at least a very good, probably an elite level athlete, and you're going to look for somebody who you would prefer to have been some level of productive in college. Athleticism is pretty easy to quantify. You could just go on the basic combine numbers, but fortunately, thanks to Kent Lee Platt, we have the wonderful relative athletic score. Productivity-wise, what I look at for edge rushers boils down this year to two things, production ratio and pressure rate. Production ratio is something we've talked about for years here on Blue 58 and at thepowersweep.com. It was developed by uh, NFL analyst Pat Kerwin. You calculate it by adding up a guy's sacks and tackles for loss and dividing it by games played. Ideally, that is going to work out to a ratio of one or better. 
For our purposes, I like to look for edge rushers who've produced a production ratio of at least 1.5 in their entire college career. We're looking for dominant players here, or at least very productive players. In terms of pressure percentage, that comes from Pro Football Focus. And you calculate that by taking the amount of total pressures a guy has generated. So we're talking sacks, hits, and hurries, and dividing that total number by the amount of pass rushes that he has I guess, embarked on, the number of pass rush snaps he's participated in. You divide that up, you get a percentage. I'm looking for guys that have produced at least a pass rush percentage or a pressure percentage of 12%. That's kind of an arbitrary number, but it reduces down your draft class very significantly. And we're looking for the top end guys anyway. So that's what I'm looking for. When I do this, I like to sort everybody into three tiers at every position group. We're going to add a little bit to that this year, but generally it's going to sort out into three tiers. And basically for every position group, tier one is guys that are productive and athletic. Tier two guys are just athletic. And tier three guys are just producers. Generally speaking, that seems to produce the the best sort of pool of guys who could succeed in the NFL, rated in some order of preference. Because you want the guys that are productive and athletic first, then probably just production, or then probably just athleticism, then probably just production. Tier 1 generally projects the best. Tier 2 is the next best. Tier 3 projects or prospects are interesting, but usually only as roster fillers. For Tier 1, among our edge rusher prospects, We're looking for guys that have a relative athletic score of 8 or better, a production ratio of 1.5 or better, and a pressure rate of 12% or better. Tier 2 guys have a a relative athletic score of 8 or better and a production ratio of 1.5 or more or a pressure rate of 12% or more. So just one or the other of the the productivity numbers. And then Tier 3 is just the relative athletic score. I've also wanted to mention some borderline guys here. Because there are some prospects in this year's class in particular who are unusually productive, but didn't test quite as well as you might have expected. And I think those are guys worth talking about because I think there's an opportunity to get real value there toward the middle and end portions of the draft, which is probably where the Packers should be looking to spend their resources if they want to draft an edge rusher. If you're looking at that third to sixth round, I think that's really where the Packers could get some premium value in this edge rusher group because it seems like that there aren't a whole ton of guys that are just super duper top end players. There are a couple, but it's not a super deep class at the top end. However, those guys that are like B plus to B minus players, there's a whole ton of those. And I feel like working through our draft class this way, we're going to have a chance to really find some of them. I pull my numbers from a combination of sources. I, get a base level draft class of about 350 to 400 players from CBS. They're one of the only easily exportable resources where you can get a a ranking of like the top few hundred guys in the draft. And that usually gives us a pretty good pool to pull from for just raw names, heights, weights, and positions, as well as schools. So that's where the raw data comes from. We get relative athletic scores from Kent Lee Platt's great relative athletic score website. You probably have seen it or heard about it either on this podcast or somewhere else by now. 
And then testing data comes from a variety of sources as well, either from relative athletic score or from other sources. And I will try to make mention of that um, as it comes up, if it's coming from a source other than one that we would typically expect to use. As of right now, I have 46 edge prospects in my database. Only 25 had testing data when I compiled it. The pro day circuit has really just started to kick off this week. So we will get more athleticism data from some of these guys, more testing numbers from some of these guys as the days and weeks go on. But for right now, this is what we've got. So if there are guys that are omitted that you want to hear about because they, they haven't had testing data yet, we'll try to circle back as their pro days come up. I'm going to try to fill out as much information as we can as this process goes on. We will try to keep you in the loop on that because this is sort of an iterative process as we head towards the NFL draft. So all that background aside, all that um, data work, who are we talking about? I think I have to issue a couple more caveats here before we really get started. First, I found this approach tends to favor guys who are pass rushers, but not necessarily against the run. I'm not sure I have found a great way that anybody quantifies college run defense yet at the individual level, and I'm not really sure that really matters all that much at the college level anyway, because I kind of feel like for edge rushers and defensive linemen, on the edge in particular, it's kind of like tight ends are on offense with their blocking. You kind of just assume that they're going to be bad until they prove otherwise at the NFL level because things are so different from college to the NFL. Guys that are 230, 240, 250 pounds are not expected to be big-time edge setters against the run right away coming out of college. And that's where a lot of these you know, great testing edge rushers are going to end up weighing. So just keep that in mind in the back of your head. If we talk about a guy who isn't a great run defender, that's not necessarily a huge dig. It is something to be aware of. We just don't have a lot of ways to quantify guys that are super elite run defenders. If there is a guy who's supposedly great against the run, definitely that's worth mentioning. But um, shoot, I I think they're probably going to be the exception rather than the rule or something you should even really be looking for all that much just because of how difficult it is for a guy to jump from college to the NFL and be a worthwhile contributor against the run. So let's talk about some guys. My number one tier is just two names long right now. And I actually don't even want to spend all that much time on either of them because we don't have testing data on either one. But based on what they did do at the combine, based on what they they offer already, I'm pretty confident that both of these guys are going to hit eight plus if and when they test. If not, I still feel comfortable putting them in tier one anyway. And these guys are Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama and Will McDonald IV out of Iowa State. Both of these guys were insanely productive in college. Uh, Anderson had a 2.26 production ratio. He got pressure on 17.5% of his rushes in college. That is the second best and best in the class in those two respective numbers. Meanwhile, McDonald, a little bit lower, 1.55 production ratio, 14.4% pressure rate at Iowa State. He's a little bit on the small side at 6'3 and 236 pounds, but being a guy who projects as a pretty good athlete with that level of productivity, he meets the thresholds 
you got to at least throw him out there. So he hits. They check all the boxes. It looks like they're going to be. It looks like they're going to be solid, productive pass rushers. The tier two guys is where it gets really interesting for me, and I've got a handful of these guys that I think are worth talking about in this year's class. And we'll start with Yasir Abdullah out of Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. Come on, amateur hour. Don't pronounce the S. Louisville. Anyway. Six foot one, two hundred forty-two pounds, relative athletic score of nine point four seven. He makes it into tier th- two on the strength of his pressure rate, a thirteen point two seven percent rate for his career. He played a whopping fifty-two games at Louisville, which is probably the reason that he falls a little bit short on production ratio. It's hard to maintain high levels of productivity over that number of games. But he was productive, and that, I think, is something to really like about his game. He played a lot, and he produced a lot, and he projects in just about every scouting report you read as a very high-effort player. However, he is a little bit on the smaller side. Six foot one is pretty stumpy for an edge rusher. 242 pounds is not all that heavy. I also have to ask, if he was this good, why did he bother playing a million years in college? And I understand that we had a pandemic in there, and that screwed up a bunch of guys kind of both development timeline and when they wanted to leave school and when they were able to leave school and when they were playing games and things like that. But 52 games is an awful lot of football to figure out where you are as a, as a college guy. And I, I suppose we should mention that things have changed in terms of the landscape of college football over the past couple of years, too. Guys have a lot more financial incentive to stay in school longer, too. So if the money is good, you might as well stick around and see what you can get. Maybe that is the case there. I don't really know. Maybe if you're just having a good time in college and, and things are, are going well for you, you like the atmosphere you're in and you can get a couple thousand bucks playing football, maybe you pass up the opportunity to make even more money in college and go up and you know get a real job someday. I don't know. I think it is a non-insignificant factor, though. It does matter to some extent. The extent to which, I don't know. But Abdullah, I think, is a really good prospect, definitely very athletic, the height would bother me a little bit because uh, length perspective-wise, you're, you're starting to get into some, some difficult territory there as an edge rusher. But overall, he projects to be pretty well, especially given the overall productivity package. The next guy up here is Derek Hall out of Auburn. Six foot three, 256 pounds, relative athletic score of 9.23. He put up a college pressure rate of 14.19%. I like 256 pounds at six foot three. Though that still paints him as a little bit on the smaller size, you're definitely not looking at an, a long edge rusher at six foot three. I also think it's worth noting that he did play off the ball a little bit at Auburn, which I think is a nice little bonus. If you are an edge rusher and you have some some off the ball ability, that is nice to it. It just adds a little bit more toward what you can do uh, in the defense you end up in. I wonder if a guy like him may have already reached his ceiling as a pass rusher. A lot of Scouting reports talk about him as a relatively tight mover, not a lot of flexibility, and fairly limited as a pass rusher in terms of the moves that he has, the skill set he has there. He's described just about everywhere as a one-trick pony, and at 256 pounds, I'll give you a a pretty fair guess at what that one trick is. He's a power rusher, okay? Uh, But if you are a good enough power rusher, you can still be useful to an NFL team in the right circumstances. I think Kingsley and Igbari is a good example of that with the Packers last year and Rashawn Gary, though a much better athlete overall and much bigger. He was not exactly a refined pass rusher for his first even two, three years in the league. You can add to that, certainly, and it helps that he has a great athletic profile, 
But it is worth noting that he is a bit limited as a pass rusher right now. Still, I think solidly in our tier two group, though. Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa is our next prospect here. And he, I think, is the most divisive guy that I have seen consistently mocked to the Packers so far this year. Six foot five, 275 pounds goes Mr. Van Ness. If you like heavy edges, he looks like your man. Fun contrast to our next guy. We'll talk about him in a second. One of my favorite prospects in this entire class. But for right now, Lucas Van Ness, 922 relative athletic score, 13.68% uh, as a career pressure rate in college. I like that he is a bit of a rapid riser and he's still young. He's coming to the NFL after his redshirt sophomore year. He was still productive and fairly limited reps in his uh, being a career backup at Iowa. He never really was a full-time player for the Hawkeyes. He is big for an edge, heavy, but not overall big if you're going to be having him kick inside, especially if he's rushing with his hand on the ground. Now, the Packers did this with Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary a few years back, much more commonly. They haven't done it quite as much, especially with Rashawn Gary injured, but over the intervening years, they haven't done it quite as much. Uh, but often, Rashawn, or Zadarius Smith would still be a stand-up rusher when he was rushing inside. It seems like when he moves inside, Van Ness is much more of a hand-on-the-ground type pass rusher, which changes the game a little bit. He's not so much a lateral movement pass rusher even coming up the middle. He's power, kind of straight-ahead sort of guy. That, I think, would be a little bit concerning if you're taking this guy fairly high in the draft. It doesn't look like he has the, the physical attributes to move inside on a consistent basis, or at least he hasn't shown the ability to do that uh, at the college level so far. But he does seem to be coming on pretty strong, uh, making a lot out of the opportunities that he did have at Iowa. That is not inconsiderable either. He stands in stark contrast to Nolan Smith out of Georgia, where Van Ness is big and heavy and a power guy. Nolan Smith is the exact opposite. Six foot three, 235 pounds, put up a relative athletic score of 9.21 based largely on a 4.39 second 40-yard dash and a 41.5-inch vertical. Those are what we like to refer to in the business as what we call elite podcaster numbers. He could probably cut it in this industry with those kind of numbers alone. Put up a 13.65% pressure rate in college. He just didn't finish a whole lot of his rushes. His production ratio is a lot lower than you'd expect. It's actually under a 1 for his career. That's in part because he only had 12 and a half sacks in 38 games, according to College Football Reference, though their numbers have been a little bit suspect in the past, so take those with a bit of a grain of salt. However, I will say that if you want athleticism, you've got it here, and you're not going to find an athletic package like this anywhere else in the draft. You'll, you'll find guys that are bigger, but you won't find guys that are his size that are as athletic as he is. You'll find some guys that are close. There aren't any people out there who really have the full athletic package that he does, even at a relatively small size of 235 pounds. However, if you're going to get away with being 235 as an edge rusher, doesn't hurt to be a super-duper athlete. We did express a little bit of concern about his stats there. Playing at Georgia, I'm not sure his stats really bother me. 
We've talked about that before with Georgia's talent on defense. We got a first-hand look at it with Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Walker was not exactly known for making a ton of plays on the ball, but he didn't necessarily have to playing in the scheme that, that Iowa was in. And Devontae Wyatt had a little bit worse pass rush numbers than you might expect from a guy with his athletic gifts and apparently skill set just looking at the film that he put up at Georgia. But there just weren't enough sacks and tackles to go around to make these guys' box score numbers look good. I think there's a little bit of that to Nolan Smith's game as well. Even though he just has the 12 and a half sacks in those 38 games, again, according to college football reference, their numbers might be a little bit different from official Georgia sources. Getting reliable stats from across college football is a bit of a fraught proposition, even in 2023. I'm not worried about the stats. I don't know if I'd take a 235-pound edge rusher in the first round, but it is an exciting athletic profile. He is on the small side, but it is exciting. And it was fun to watch him work at the combine. Byron Young out of Tennessee is our next man up. Six foot three, two hundred and forty-five pounds, a nine flat relative athletic score. He didn't run, so that part of his athletic score was not tabulated, and that is noteworthy. So maybe knock him down a little bit, uh, a couple points, maybe in your uh, internal rankings there. But for the numbers we've got, he was a nine, so uh, he falls into this group. He had a 1.56 production ratio at Tennessee, 23.5 tackles for loss, and 12.5 sacks in 23 career games. Instant impact out of Young arriving at Tennessee. He arrived there uh, after a stint in junior college, but you wonder if he's a little bit more in the Lucas Van Ness kind of flash in the pan sort of rusher. He did have more productivity than even Van Ness did in only a few more pass rush snaps, so Maybe not quite as big of a concern, but I am a little bit wary of guys that show up and put up some big numbers uh, in a relatively short amount of time. They have not proven to be particularly strong prospects in the past for me. I still think it's worth mentioning him for the productivity and athleticism that he does have. Two more guys in Tier 2 here, and then I want to mention just a couple other names that maybe fell out of this ranking uh, for a variety of reasons. Lonnie Phelps out of Kansas is definitely not going to be a high-end prospect. You're not going to see him drafted probably on day one or day two, but the Packers have gotten some good value out of day three uh, edge rusher prospects on special teams in particular. And if you look at Phelps, a guy who's six foot three and 245 pounds, you might have something along those lines there. 8.47 relative athletic score, 14.69% career pressure rate. He was productive. Uh, getting a pressure, whether that's a sack, a hit, or a hurry on nearly 15% of your rushes is good, regardless of where you play, regardless of your level of competition. For comparison's sake, at Michigan, Rashawn Gary had a a career pressure rate of 14% flat. So Phelps was a little bit ahead of where Gary was uh, in his career. However, we should also point out that Phelps never really was in an opportunity where he could grow as a player or really had an opportunity to integrate as a part of a program. He finished at Kansas after stops at Miami of Ohio and Tennessee Tech. If you're looking for a guy who really was just who knew what he was about from day one, Phelps probably isn't that. And I know the movement landscape is different in college football now, but I think it is worth noting that the guy didn't really find a place for himself until fairly late in his college career, and that is what is leading him to the NFL draft right now. 
Finally, the last of our Tier 2 guys for right now until we start filling out Pro Day stuff a little bit more is Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri. Six foot four, two 275 pounds, and eight two six relative athletic score. Production ratio of 1.5 for his career. I like the productivity. 32 tackles for loss, 17.5 sacks in 33 games. Not too bad. Also like the size, six foot four, two hundred and seventy-five pounds, and fairly lean at two seventy-five too. People describe him a lot in scouting reports as a lean body, which is weird, but if you look at him, it is true. It's just a funny thing to hear about a guy who's listed at two hundred and seventy pounds. He does not appear to be super sophisticated as a pass rusher yet, uh, which seems to to pop up a lot in this class. You have a guy, you have guys that are athletic and fairly productive, but I think some of that productivity with their athleticism, leads them to not necessarily build out the skills that they probably should to be getting ready for the next level of football. I understand why that happens. If you're getting away with something at the college level and it's working for you, why really try to make things more complicated for yourself than you have to? Understandable. Guys that lack sophistication as pass rushers are not uncommon. You have to just figure out if you think this guy can add the skills he needs to be an equally productive pass rusher in the NFL when everybody is just as athletic as he is. We have to return to Rashawn Gary here. He too was not a particularly sophisticated pass rusher coming out of Michigan, but he has upgraded his skills considerably since then. He's not the most polished guy even now, but his athleticism combined with what he does have in terms of tools as a pass rusher makes him a pretty formidable force, and perhaps that is the sort of thing that a guy like McGuire could develop into. There are a few other guys who I do want to mention here real quick who did not hit the thresholds to get to at least Tier 2 and not Tier 1, but I think I would still be interested in acquiring at some point. And everybody that we list, even the guys that are just hitting the athletic thresholds, are people that I think I would be interested in the Packers drafting. If we mention them on this show or in write-ups at thepowersweep.com, consider that something of a seal of approval. Yes, we'd be okay with the Packers drafting them unless we say otherwise. A few other guys I want to mention here, starting with two Isaiahs right off the bat, Isaiah Land and Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah Land comes to us from Florida A&M University, the ultimate producer there. Career production ratio of 2.47, best in our class that I've uncovered so far. Career pressure rate of 14.49%, 42 tackles for loss, and 29 sacks in 29 career games. Insane. That is just insane. That is crazy productive. He's under an eight for uh, athleticism, but clearly he knows how to get to the quarterback. Anything still above a seven, which he is, is still probably worth considering. You worry about the jump in competition from Florida A&M. That is fair. But for the level of competition he was at, he was putting up pretty ridiculous numbers. Isaiah Foskey just missed just missed our production thresholds, like one or two tackles for loss away from making it on production ratio alone. He's got a 9.32 relative athletic score, comes to us with a 1.43 production ratio and 11% and a couple hundredths of a point uh, career pressure rate. He strikes me as being very similar physically and overall approach-wise to Lucas Van Ness. And if it comes down to him or Van Ness, I'm taking Foskey. I think he's got more tools. I think he's been more productive for longer. I think it's Foskey over Van Ness, and I don't think about it particularly long if that's the, the decision. A couple guys here from directional Michigan schools. Jose Ramirez out of Eastern Michigan is six foot two, 252 pounds, so a little bit small. 
but a 747 relative athletic score and a production ratio of 1.73 makes him fairly interesting as a prospect. Obviously a little bit on the small side, but plenty athletic and plenty productive as well. Meanwhile, Thomas Incombe out of Central Michigan is six foot four and 265 pounds. Pretty similar overall to Ramirez, but just not quite so small. 726 relative athletic score. His production ratio a 1.79 for his career and has a 12% career pressure ratio. That is a pretty interesting overall profile as well. Finally, we close out with a guy I'm calling mini Lucas Van Ness, Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin. I don't even know if he's really an edge rusher at 6'2", 228 pounds. You kind of wonder. Not a great tester, just a 601 relative athletic score, but extremely production productive in a relatively small amount of pass rushes. 1.83 career production ratio, 14.66% career pressure rate, just 491 career pass rush snaps. And that's why I call him mini Lucas Van Ness, because Van Ness was productive in a relatively small amount of pass rushes, and it has gotten him on draft boards as a result. It is worth noting the size, the athleticism there for Herbig, Still, when he got opportunities, he produced. That can't be ignored. Maybe he's the sort of guy that you take as a special teams contributor and try to figure out, like a Jonathan Garvin, if he can be something as a pass rusher. And if he can't, at least you've got something as far as uh, as far as the, the special team stuff goes. That, I think, is a, a good way to look at some of these guys that may not have perfect perfect profiles here or maybe just played at a lower level of, of college football and were still productive, that is a great way to find special teamers who could potentially develop into something else. We identified Jonathan Garvin that same way a couple of years back. He has not developed overly much, but when he's been out there, he at least hasn't gotten the Packers killed as a pass rusher. He at least has proven himself to be fairly useful at times, and that's why I think a guy like him ends up sticking around for the Packers and a guy like, say, uh, Shoot, the uh, Utah State guy, uh, Tipa Nalii, ends up out of a job in Green Bay. You can be just a special teams guy, sure, but if you're just a special teams guy, you're probably eventually going to be bumped by a guy who can play special teams and also add a little value somewhere else. And if even if Garvin is not a great pass rusher, he was he had better upside in that part of his game than Nalii did, and that's why Garvin ends up sticking around in Nalii. Ends out of green, ends up out of Green Bay, but those are the edges that I like at least so far. We've got quite a long way to go as far as draft prep before we get to the big day itself. We'll undoubtedly discover more edges along the way as we get more testing numbers on some of these guys. We'll be sure to mention them uh, to you as they come up. Uh, but in the meantime, I feel pretty good about that starting class, that starting group of edges that we've got here. It's an interesting class, and I think the Packers can really add a lot of good stuff to their defense if they decide that they want to go down this route. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.